Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 new July films in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical. What is this? This is where you wanna be. What is this? July was a little, <laughs> kind of an up and down month. Uh, as far as my film watching was concerned, uh, it started out really rocky because I had vacations in the early part of the month and uh, went home to see my grandparents, went to the beach, uh, then moved. Um, less, not even two weeks ago, I moved. So a lot of, a lot of you know, shifting and, and adjusting and days where I saw no movies and days where I saw, you know, 10 movies. In this past month, in fact, there was a full week uh, of this month where I saw no movies at all. And eight days of the month, out of the 31 days, I saw no movies at all. However, I did finish the month with a 94 films scene. Uh, so pretty pleased uh, to hit that number, given some of the limitations that I experienced. And the top end isn't the strongest. It's a little weak, but... You know, it's kind of how things have been lately, as it turns out. And uh, until we get into, you know, award season and, and some of the new movies coming out are, and tend to be, you know, better, this might just kind of be it, you know. There's, looking at what I've been watching, the reasons I've been watching the movies I've been watching, you know, I'm trying to knock out more films from 2010 for in preparation for the 2010 Circle of Film Awards. I'm knocking out movies uh, from some of the top actors in, born in August so far so that I can adjust uh, those and, and those actors and, and you know give them some of them I hadn't seen you know more than one or two movies from since two years ago so wanting to make sure that I can uh, accurately reflect that as much as I can and, and hit some of the ones I'd missed uh, plus you have you know 2019 movies I would say almost maybe half of the movies I saw this this month were from 2019 and that is is a, an ongoing uh thing and those aren't the best uh right now so that's pretty much it um this uh this top 10 will have a little bit of all of these things uh I guess the the uh, the last avenue of of films that I was watching would be Oscar winners slash nominees just ever so you know that um that's where we're at and uh without any further ado let us jump into july's top 10 new films number 10 is a 2019 film uh it's i saw this july 14th it's Two hours and 22 minutes long. My brief summary, A Trip to Sweden exposes underlying pain and grief. I gave this film a 65. It had a 80, it had an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes the last I looked. It is directed by Ari Aster, starring Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, Wilhelm Blomgren, William Jackson Harper, Will Poulter, Elora Torchia, among others. And this is Midsummer, 
which I think I've talked about already. You know, I, I've gone into it a bit. I didn't go into spoilers, but Midsommar is um, is good. Like I said, I gave it a 65. I think it's a good movie. It did not meet my expectations, which may have been a little too lofty. But I wasn't, you know, uh, over the moon about Hereditary. I think it's two-thirds of a great film. And I was hoping that more of the two-thirds that I really enjoyed of Hereditary would be in Midsummer, And I don't quite think that's what happened. It, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a tricky movie for me to quantify and qualify simply because it's really difficult to escape the comparisons to Hereditary and... I want to. I I I'm, I try to. I, I want to push these films apart and, and make them separate. And they they should be. You know, there's from like a content uh, standpoint, they aren't really that similar. But for whatever the reason, it's it's really difficult to to pull them apart in my head. Uh, so. Either way, I really like Midsummer. I won't get too deep into it again. You know, you can listen to the review episode on that. But I liked it, and I just wish it wasn't so long. Those those are the things. I like it. I love Florence Pugh in it. I thought the cast and is great. I thought Astor's you know direction. I thought the way the film looks is really really strong. But otherwise, I I had. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's a long movie. It's a very long movie. So number ten from July with a sixty-five is Midsummer. Number nine, we're gonna go back uh, back in time to nineteen seventy-eight. I saw this film July second. It's about one hundred and eleven minutes long, so a little under two hours. My summary: the life and career of Buddy Holly. I gave this a 65. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Steve Rash. It is stars Gary Busey, Don Stroud, Charles Martin Smith, Conrad Janis, William Jordan, Maria Richwine, Amy Johnston, among others. It won an Oscar for Best Original Song Score. It was Gary Busey was nominated for Best Actor, and it was also nominated for Best Sound at the Oscars. And this is the Buddy Holly story. Uh, it, you look at the poster, uh, you, you look at the cast, Gary Busey, and it's not a super appealing film, (laughs) in my opinion. I wasn't, uh, I don't know, I I wasn't super into it, but it helps that the first review that I see on Letterboxd when I scroll down tells me, is from someone who hates Gary Busey, but thinks he's amazing in this movie, and so I went into this with a, a little fresher of expectations, a little wider eyes, a little more uh, openness to 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 what I was going to receive, and it's in it's from the late seventies, so Busey is not quite the sort of um, caricature I think he's kind of become, especially in his performances. And man, it, it's true, he is pretty stellar in this film. He's a great Buddy Holly. Um, I was really impressed. And I see why, you know, he was nominated, why he, you know, had a career. He he was really good. Uh, The music is great. Uh, Busey sings, does his own singing. I thought the dynamic in the band in the film is pretty strong. You know, it's a little, you know, it's fairly by the numbers and it hits most of the same notes that a lot of these uh, musical biopics hit. 
but the performances and I think Steve Rash's attention to the emotions in these moments uh, really helps elevate this enough to push it into the good, quote unquote, good territory for me. Uh, so, you know, it's looks seems to be a fairly underseen film. Uh, you know, two and a half, two thousand people have logged it on Letterboxd, or I guess it's been watched by two thousand one hundred forty members, which, compared to most movies, is not that much. And I think it's a it's a nice little movie, and I I think it's a good time. It's not super long, and maybe even against against all odds, you'll kind of grow to love Gary Busey in this this role. So, my number nine. With also with also get also getting a sixty five is the Buddy Holly story uh, from nineteen seventy eight. <clears throat> Number eight is a film from nineteen ninety seven. I saw this July eighteenth, two thousand and nineteen. It is eighty six minutes long, uh, just under ninety minutes, uh, just under an hour and a half. My summary: a coming of age movie about two girls whose lives are affected by the death of someone they know. I gave this a 66. It has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Alex Sitchell. I think I'm pronouncing that right, Sitchell. Uh, it stars Allison Folland, Tara Subkoff, Cole Hauser, Wilson Cruz, Leisha Haley, Sean Hatosi, Vincent Pastore, and Anne Dowd. Um, and this is All Over Me. All over me, Alison Folland and Tara Subkoff play Claude and Ellen, who are best friends. They live in New York. And uh, there are a bunch of movies that came out around this time that kind of inhabit the same world. Drugs, um, music, and just being like a teenager, you know, 20-something, and, and trying to navigate life uh, as, as meaningless or important as it may seem to each person and all over me it doesn't do a ton that's very original but i did think that it was very well written i i love allison folland in this and i think it, it just it, it ends up conveying just a really solid message you know it's it's a movie I don't think it's absolutely only about, you know, homophobia and, and the sort of, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the perspectives that, that though, uh, how, how prevalent that perspective was, but that is definitely a, a significant chunk of the film. And I think that All Over Me tackles that issue very well and very wisely. It is not, you know, beating you over the head like some other, other films had do with their own uh, social issues, and I, I think All Over Me takes a nice, uh, I, want, I want to say gentle approach, but but it's not exactly a gentle approach. It's just a very measured approach, and I, I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a very enjoy it's a very easy movie to watch like i said it's very short and i just i really enjoy the characters i think that is the kind of drawing point uh, of of all over me is the characters the characters are a lot of fun to to sit with to to watch and i would happily watch them in and other things so all over me stamp of approval 
I really I, I enjoyed it. It's it can be um, I don't know. The filmmaking is is very shaky. I think the filmmaking may be one of the weakest elements of it, but I, the writing performances uh, I think are quite good. So number eight from July with a 66 is All Over Me from 1997. Uh, number seven is a little, is kind of iffy. Uh, so I'll, I'll get into the movie and then I'll see, uh, explain kind of why that is. Uh, so I saw this July 27th. 2019 it is 50 minutes long shortest film in this this month's top 10 uh i gave it it's from 1975 my summary is simply the thriller in manila i gave it a 70 it had no score in rotten tomatoes i don't know who it was directed by or who wrote it but it stars muhammad ali and joe fraser joe fraser and that's muhammad ali versus joe fraser the third or three, rather, not the third, three. Uh, and this was, so I downloaded, rather, I, I watched a movie that, at first I was, I thought it was When We Were Kings, which is about Muhammad Ali and, and his legacy, and it's not, it wasn't. Uh, it was, actually, I think, after some research and digging, a featurette on that film that was simply the... Uh, Rumble in the Jungle telecast combined with the Thrill in Manila telecast. And it, uh, you know, was not when we were kings at all, uh, as I came to find out. And so, you know, I watched both fights, and I, I very much preferred the Thrill in Manila to the Rumble in the Jungle. But I couldn't log it as when we were kings because that's not what it was. So I was looking to see if it was a thing, if there was something on Letterboxd or, or on IMDb that I could log it as. And uh, this came up. Uh, this does not cover everything I watched. It's only half, which would be the Ali Frazier Thrill on a Manila fight. And that's pretty much all it is. It's, you know, there's no commercials. There's no... Uh, you know, fluff and filler. It's literally just the match between Ali and Frazier um, from 1975 in uh, Manila. It's a great fight. Uh, I'm not much of a boxing fan outside of movies. And having seen, <laughs> watching Rumble in the Jungle first, which I was mostly bored by and I, I wasn't, didn't enjoy it at all, this was a much more entertaining fight. It, it really uh, captured me and my attention far easier than uh, Foreman and Ali did. So I don't know if this is even something that can be tracked down. Maybe it's on YouTube in, in segments or something like that. But it's a great fight. It was a really good fight. And, and it lands at number seven. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So number seven, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier, the third match. Number three. It's a Roman numeral three. It's at the end. Um, yeah, gave it a 70. Moving on to number six. Number six. Saw this one July 30th, 2019. It is 108 minutes long. It is a 2019 film. My summary, a drug squad goes undercover as workers in a chicken restaurant that gains a lot of publicity. Gave this a 71. It is an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
It is directed by Lee Byung-hun, it is, and it stars Ryu Seung-rong, Lee Han-ni, Jin Sun-kyu, Lee Dong-hui, and Gong Myung, among many others. I really hope I'm pronouncing those right. Uh, and this is a movie called Extreme Job. And I heard about this from a friend uh, that I play FML with. Uh, he saw it, I think he saw it in theaters, and loved it. Uh, he, he raved and raved about it. And so I've been waiting to find this, and I, I finally did. It's on Amazon. You can watch it right now. And to kind of get a little more into the, the premise, uh, you have a drug, drug squad who are pursuing and, and uh, doing reconnaissance on a, couple of, on a you know, criminal organization, and they discover that this criminal organization is pretty much the only customer besides themselves uh, who frequents this chicken joint, this fried chicken restaurant. And when the owner <laughs> reveals to them that he's preparing to close, they decide, we'll buy the chicken joint, we'll make the chicken, they'll order chicken from us, and we'll be able to keep surveillance on them with an easy cover. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of silly, but I think it's a reasonable assumption. And so then... This, like, tourist couple stops by and wants chicken from them. And so they make the chicken, and one of the members of the squad, his parents have, uh, uh, do, they own their own restaurant. It's not chicken, it's something else. I forget the, t the specifics, but he uses a sauce that they use and puts it on his fried chicken, and they blow up. It, it's, in, it's crazy. The, the, Publicity, the popularity, the the fame, everything explodes. They become an instant hit, and soon their restaurant is just a successful restaurant. And then the film kind of follows out from there, and, and how does that, one, impact their jobs, two, impact their lives, three, impact the investigation, uh, you know, change priorities and, and relationships, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it is very funny. It's not like punchline joke, punchline joke. It is just an atmospheric hilarity. And I loved that. I thought, you know, Byung-hoon did a great job of establishing just, just how absurd and ridiculous the situation is. You know, I think comedy is often mentioned as something that's very difficult to translate, not only across languages but and not only across, you know, decades, but across languages and across a lot of different mediums. And uh, this is hilarious, you know? Like, it's it's a Korean film. I, it's entirely in Korean. It's all subtitled. But it, it really is incredibly funny. I think the performances are very solid. I think the writing is great. And you, you know, I really care for these characters. I was really invested in them. I was really rooting for them. And it's... A testament to you know the direction the performances the writing and I, I think it's a really fun movie you you it just I I had a blast watching it and and I think most people will you know if you like sort of uh, these kind of crime thrillers this is not really that but it's poking fun at that and and sort of turning that formula on its head and uh, it's a good time extreme job you find it on Amazon I saw it it's my number six film in July. 
and I gave it a 71. 71. All right, halfway point here. Number five film uh, is one I've already talked about and done two episodes on at this point. Uh, but I saw it July 25th, 2019. It's 157 minutes, or a little over two and a half hours long. It is a 2019 film. My summary, an aging TV actor and his stunt double seek success in the waning moments of Hollywood's golden age. Give it a 74. It's a Rotten Tomato score of 84%, last I looked. It is directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring, among others, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Marco Robbie, Emile Hirsch, Margaret Qualley, Timothy Oliphant, Julia Butters, Austin Butler, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, Mike Moe, Luke Perry, Damian Lewis, Al Pacino, Kurt Russell, uh, and many others. And that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Talked about it a little already quite a bit, so I won't go too deep deep into it, but it is long. Uh, and it is very different from what Tarantino has put out in the past, in my opinion, and in most opinions, I think. But it ultimately, I think, with enough context and enough understanding about what's happening, which I'll admit I didn't exactly have when I was actually watching the film, I, in, in context, I think it's very good and um, worth, worth a watch. You know, I, I wouldn't hold it up against, you know, the best of Tarantino, but it's certainly, you know, good and manages to to showcase a different side of Tarantino that I don't think many of us have seen. And I, I think for him having putting a movie out like movie like this out uh, after looking, you know, looking back at his career and what he's made in the past, you know, this is pretty good stuff. Uh, just show the kind of range he has as a filmmaker. So once upon a time in Hollywood, my number five, from 2019, and I gave it a 74. 74. Moving on to film number four. Film number four. I believe this was the first film I watched uh, this month. July 1st, 2019. It's 96 minutes long. It's from 1994. And my brief summary, a playwright must cast a talentless mob girlfriend in his new play. I gave this a 74. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Woody Allen. It stars John Cusack, Diane Wiest, Jennifer Tilly, Chaz Palminteri, Mary Louise Parker, Jack Warden, Rob Reiner, Tracy Ullman, Joe Vitarelli, Jim Broadbent, Edie Falco, Debbie Mazar, <clears throat> among others. And this is Bullets Over Broadway. Um, so Woody Allen, um, I've seen at least 30 films that he's directed and written. And his, his recent stuff is, is a little, uh, it's not the best. But back in the day, you know, in the 90s, 80s, he had some, some pretty stellar films. And this is one I hadn't seen yet. And Bullets Over Broadway is, I think, all the better because Woody Allen is not in the movie. I think Chaz Palminteri is incredible in this. I think he was my favorite part. Uh, his relationship with John Cusack and Jennifer Tilly, the sort of triangle that they create, is so much fun. 
and so interesting to watch. You know, see Chaz Palminteri take this sort of traditionally mobster, tough guy role and slowly uh, morph it in front of your eyes is such a treat. Uh, to see Jennifer Tilly easily give her best, the best performance from her that I've ever seen as the, the you know, the, the um, mobster girlfriend, the talentless girlfriend who has to be in the part. Like, that's so much fun. And then just the entire cast of characters who are in the play itself, you know, uh, uh, Diane Weist and Jim Broadbent and uh, Tracy Ullman and, and so on. It's a lot of fun uh, to see these people interact with each other. And, and that was pretty much my favorite aspect. It's just the characters are so vibrant and so larger than life that their interactions were far better than anything else was in the film. I think the overall plot is fine. Uh, it, it services as, as putting the characters together. And that's really all it needed to do to make this enjoyable. And I think it goes, you know, one step above that. So, you know, it's a very interest. you know, it's a very, not interesting, what am I thinking of? What word do I want to say here? Um, it is a, you know, it's not a compelling story, but it's, it's propulsive enough that it continues to push the characters into different situations and ultimately give you sort of the the interactions that you want and i think that is the the that is the the i don't know can't think of the words i want to say that is what it needs to do i guess um alan's directing or rather alan's writing is strong in this you know it it manages you know Cusack is playing the Woody Allen role of the film and I think he does a really good job at it uh, Diane Wiest actually won best supporting actress for the film Tilly and Palminteri were also nominated uh, Allen was nominated for director and writing so a lot of Oscar love for Bullets Over Broadway I don't know if it's quite that good I, I Diane Wiest was fine in my opinion I wouldn't have picked her to win I might not have even nominated her. I might not have even nominated Jennifer Tilly. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I did not revere the film as much as the Academy might have, or must have at least, back in 1994. But I had a ton of fun with it. And it's, most of the Woody Allen movies I've seen lately have been his more recent things. And those are average at best. And it was really nice to see uh, one of his older films where he was, still able to really put witty dialogue and and you know colorful characters together in order to give you in order to create this this realistic not realistic that's not even close to the word I want to say in order to create this this fun film bullets over broadway my number 4 let's move the move on uh, gave it a 74 Number three, third best film from July. Saw it July 25th, 2019. It is 104 minutes long. It is a 2008 film. My summary, a man's parents want him to marry one woman, but he has his eyes set on another. 
I gave this a 75. It has a, an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by James Gray and stars the wonderful talents of Joaquin Phoenix, Gwyneth Paltrow, Isabella Rossellini, Vanessa Shaw, Moni Mishinov, Elias Cotius, among others. And this is Two Lovers. This is a film I've seen on Letterboxd a ton. I've seen its poster a lot. Uh, I knew it was Joaquin Phoenix, and I knew it would be a film I'd watch eventually. Uh, the fact that it was on uh, Miran, listener, Miran's uh, Top 300, ele- escalated the uh, when I would see it, <clears throat> and I did finally get a chance to check out Two Lovers this month, this past month, and I really enjoyed it. I think... Joaquin Phoenix is is such a great, great performer, and I think Gwyneth Paltrow, I, I really like Gwyneth Paltrow, I think she gets a lot of flack, uh, perhaps for Shakespeare in Love and, and that whole situation, and then her personal uh, stuff that I don't fully understand, but I understand that it's kind of controversial, depending on who you ask, but... I really like her, her her acting, and I think she's really good in this. I like Vanessa Shaw a lot, but I think Paltrow's relationship with Phoenix is given... If I have one criticism, main criticism of the film, it presents these two contrasting relationships for Phoenix, the one with Shaw and the one with Paltrow. And I think the film kind of shows its hand as to what it thinks the ending should be for him and I wish it didn't I guess I wish it it tried to be a play a little more you know of both sides uh, because I think from the very beginning and from the first interactions we see between Phoenix and Paltrow and Phoenix and Shaw it becomes pretty clear you know where the film's allegiance lies and I still enjoyed the watching it all play out because it didn't follow what I would have expected uh, from a from a plot standpoint from a story standpoint so I was pleased to see that but it did feel a little um, one-sided which was a shame because I think Vanessa Shaw uh, I think Vanessa Shaw's character and and her relationship with Phoenix is unfortunately you know shafted and I don't think it needed to be to, to kind of get across the elements and themes of this film. I don't think they needed to elevate Paltrow. You know, this is Phoenix's film. Ultimately, it's about him. It's about his divided mind and, and um, the way he's trying to decide between these two people, trying to figure out where he wants to go in his life and also get work through depression. And... You know, he he seems pretty intent on trying to get and be with Paltrow, but I don't know. I, I think I think there was a way to make this a, balanced a little more, and um, I think I would have liked that a little bit more. So I still really enjoy it. It's still a very good movie. It features some great performances, uh, particularly from the trio of leads, uh, as well as Isabella Rossellini, who plays phoenix's mom so i again i recommend it it's it's worth checking out i gave it a 75 uh and it's my number three from july two lovers 
two lovers. Number two is another film I've already talked about, uh, and that is a film I saw July 19th, 2019. It's 97 minutes long. It's from 2018. My summary, a Glasgow musician dreams of being a country star. I gave this a 77. It is a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Tom Harper, starring Jesse Buckley, Sophie Okonedo, Julie Walters, among others, and that is Wild Rose. I mean, I'm just going to kind of reiterate what I said in the review of this. Go see it if you can. I think it's a lot of fun. If you like music, I think you'll enjoy this. If you... That's, I don't know. I can't sell it much more than that. If you like music, you like this. If you like a good lead female performance, you should, you'll like the Jesse Buckley. So, Wild Rose. Wild Rose. I highly recommend it. Give it a 77. And it's my number two new film from July, which leaves us with the number one film. The only film, the only new film I saw in July to cross the 80 point mark. Uh, actually comes in with an 85 so there's a solid seven eight point difference between wild rose and this film it is also the oldest film in my top 10 and one of the oldest films i saw from in the month of july saw it july 2nd so uh everything else was kind of playing catch up after that it is uh, a 93 minute film from 1950 my summary a temperamental playwright becomes a murder suspect. As I said, I gave this an 85. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Nicholas Ray, uh, director of Rebel Without a Cause, starring Humphrey Bogart, Gloria Graham, Frank Lovejoy, Carl Benton Reed, among others. And that is In a Lonely Place. In a Lonely Place. This has a 4.2 average rating on Letterboxd. It is the 200th best film according uh, on Letterboxd, according to their own top 250. And it earns it. Um, you know, I... It's a shame. I, you know, 1950, Humphrey Bogart, he did not... And not just him, but none of this... Nothing in this movie got any Oscar love... Uh, didn't really get any awards love, not that there were a ton of awards back in 1950. And this may be one of the best Bogart performances I've seen. And I've seen, you know, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen a little over 20. But I thoroughly enjoyed him. Uh, I really enjoyed Gloria Graham as well. And just the whole cast, I think, does a great job. It has a, a beautiful look to it. Uh, the film is just impeccably shot. It, it's lit very well. You know, the sequencing of of the the events and the narrative, the story. It's it's such a compelling story uh, to see Bogart, who is a writer, and you know, it, it's it's kind of I, I love how you know speaking as a writer, it, it really plays with that idea. You know, whenever you research. Uh, you know, what, what does it really feel like or what does it really look like? How do I describe, you know, a dead body or, or you know, something like that and, and a, a murder? You know, if you write about death, if you write about killing in any capacity, you know, even if it's uh, realistic, even if it's fantasy, even if it's sci-fi, even if it's, 
you know, animals, whatever the situation, if you're looking that stuff up, you always have that kind of thought in the back of your mind is like, man, what if, you know, somebody sees all these search, my search history and it's, and you know, it's like, what does a dead body look like? How do I get away with murder? How do I, you know, all these questions. And this is a film that kind of, uh, kind of explores that. (laughs) And Bogart playing a writer is sort of we're not sure at first just how involved he is with this uh murder investigation and and he being this sort of jackass self-righteous arrogant jerk kind of uh you know is giving telling the police you know well if i'd have done it you know how do you get away with you know x y and z and i would have you know, done this instead of that, or, you know, maybe it makes sense to this happen. And sometimes what he says is actually true. And sometimes what he says is just kind of posturing and, and it, it really makes you think, you know, man, this is a guy who writes about, you know, murderers and, and true crime and, um, you know, criminals and the like. And he's, he's written, you know, if you, if you're so good at writing it, you know that might mean you have the capacity to do it and he he gives off this vibe this this aura of you can you can never fully know what he's capable of there is a scene uh i think about two-thirds of the way through the movie at a sort of a dinner that he has with another couple um where he's describing the events of one of the of the murder and asks the other couple to sort of act out the events themselves and man it is such a thrilling tense moment and i just from start to finish you know this one kind of gets your gets its hooks into you and and really won't let go <clears throat> uh man um it manages to be i don't know it, it's 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 a very suspenseful film, but I, I don't I wouldn't ever say it felt like Hitchcock. I, I think you know, this is this movie plays very differently with suspense than Hitchcock's film does. Uh which is kind of strange because they're both um so good at just, you know, hugging at that thread of, you know, what is the real truth? What is going to happen? Where is this all going to lead? And in most of Hitchcock's films, that has less to do with the characters and more to do with the events and the circumstances, in my opinion. Whereas this, it's mostly just about Bogart, mostly about his character Dixon Steele. You know, it doesn't really have as much to do with the, the, the story that's suspenseful. It's him. He is the suspense, whether he's, you know, smarmy, whether he's sadistic or violent or just confusing or drunk, you know, he's, he's swinging back and forth and back and forth, uh, between all these different, um, sort of portrayals of this character and, and it makes sense and it works within the context of the film. And I mean, Bogart does such a great job of portraying those different sides of, of steel and, it's a really great movie it's a really really great movie uh so 
yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, apparently, it's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. Check it out if you haven't. It is a very exciting film uh, from featuring one of the best performances from Bogart perhaps he'd ever given. Uh, so, my number one, In a Lonely Place from 1950 with an 85. So, running down that top 10 one more time. <clears throat> Here we go, from 10 to 1. Midsummer, The Buddy Holly Story, All Over Me, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier 3, Extreme Job, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bullets Over Broadway, Two Lovers, Wild Rose, and In a Lonely Place. That's it. Uh... Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, most places podcasts can be found. If You you can also check out the website, circleoffilm.com, for that and much, much more. If you would like to find me, you can follow me on Circle of Film, or at Circle of Film on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, at Circle of Film. Or you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe it, whatever, wherever you are, or go to patreon.com slash circle of film, and you can become a patron for as little as eight cents an episode, which would allow you access to every episode uh, as soon as it's ready. Uh, You would not have to wait. So thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever, only out of place So long, farewell, oh what I'll be to say Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute So long